News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Having a great Sunday so far. I'm Brittany Cafe. I'm here with Rick Van Divendyke, and we are prepped and ready to take all of your yard and garden questions. You can feel free to give us a call, send us a text. The number is 1 877 332 8255. Hey, Rick, how are you today? Good morning, Brittany. It's a beautiful, calm day today. Yeah. A, reprieve, a little reprieve from all that wind we've had. This wind days. has been so awful and so frustrating because I have been, this is my first year planting a garden of any kind, so I've been really babying it and trying to do my best with everything, so to watch this wicked wind come in and just beat the the crap out of all of my plants, for lack of a better term, it was so disheartening, especially my tomatoes. My tomatoes got it really, really bad. Yeah, the, even down Regina, they had this last week, they had well over 100, over 100 kilometers an hour winds, so and we had a bit of a, I don't know, probably call it a plow wind or whatever around Saskatoon here as well. So it was um, a lot of soil. You could tell it's dry all over the place because it was sure dusty in the air. You could really be, you could really see that dust in the air. It was really quite crazy. Yeah, and in other parts of the province, whether you're going south or heading north, it was kind of spotty. Um, but earlier this week, there was some wicked hail as well. Near Spiritwood is where my father-in-law has a farm and an orchard, and they lost everything. Their entire garden got hailed out. Their crops oh, no. got hailed out. So this might be a bit of a silly question, but when, you're, when your garden does take that amount of hail, is it? Are you just phoning it in for the rest of the season, basically? Is there anything that you can even do to try and salvage those plants that have been hit? Well, we have, yeah, we have time enough that you you could you could actually replant if you could find the seed or still have seed. You could still plant things like lettuce and some radishes because there's lots of time yet for that to be able to come up and get a bit of a crop on it, you know. But yeah. uh, but other things like um, you know, like your corn or your potatoes, you're not going to replant that. But your potatoes. If your leaves are all gone, I mean, what you have there will be okay. Um, the problem is they won't grow much anymore, right? So they'll stay the size they are. Uh, same thing as your carrots and that. So, um, so I mean, you still could even replant carrots, but they'll just get smaller carrots. You won't get big carrots, right? There's still time enough to, to get some there. So there is some crops that you could replant because we are still in July, right? So you yeah. still have a... You still have all of July and, you know, all, you got the rest of July and all of August. And I'm not sure how much in September this year. But, yeah, uh, we'll see. We might, we'll see. So we'll have some time in September a little bit yet. So you do have some time yet. And uh, so, but yeah, that's otherwise some plants will regrow from being damaged. Uh, but some of them, like you said, just got beaten right to the ground and there's, there's no chance that they're going to come back again. Right. So. Um, yeah, there was that hail was all over the place. Even my sister has a does has a cabin up at uh, McPhee Lake, not McPhee Lake, uh, Emma Lake, and she had little hail though. It wasn't big hail, so it didn't do that much damage. But it still had some damage, and uh, so yeah. But some places, like you said, around the province, um, if the drought didn't take it out, the crop out right away, then the hail did. So well, that's the really thing. Is, this has got to be one of the most wicked years in recent history for sure for weather because when when we're in the middle of a drought we're praying for moisture and we get that moisture in the form of hail like are you are you kidding we just can't really catch a break it seems 
All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite crazy. Yeah. It's exhausting. Okay. So we've got a text here on the text line. Good morning, Rick. What causes potato leaves to curl? Yeah. I had, I had a bunch of call, curl, calls like that. And usually if they curl up, it's just because of, of, of the heat stress. Okay. So ah. just make sure that you're, you're, um, you're being consistent with your watering. So don't go out there now and just make them like a mud ball out there. Don't overwater them. You want to get them moist slowly. Okay. And then you want to keep them at a nice moisture. Um, uh, that that's important. And it's going this this wet dry wet dry is when you're going to get all kinds of blossom end rot on your on your on your tomatoes, and you're going to make your plants weak, so that other diseases can come into your plants as well. So if they're curling like that, then it usually means that they're stressed. And uh, so just a matter of you know, there again, don't go out there and put your finger in, into the into the soil and make sure that you got a nice moisture, stick it as far as you can. You should be, if you can stick your finger in an inch and a half, if you can't stick it in at all, then you're probably too dry, right? Yeah. So then the leaves are going to curl up. And uh, so uh, if you just keep it a nice, if you can stick your finger into the soil and it's just nice and moist and it's not muddy, right? You're, the, the, the soil's actually, you know, you got to go to the, got to go to the tap and, and uh, wash off your hands, right? Then it's a little bit too wet. So then you um, you just want to check that, and uh, you can do that with your finger or a piece of rebar, or if you get a moisture meter, whatever you're going to use to check it. Uh, just watch your moisture; it's important now. And also, uh, what you want to do with your plants, because we've been watering a little bit more than usual because of the because of the um, the heat. Um, now's the time to, to, especially your vegetables, to give them a little uh, shot of some fertilizer, like your alfalfa pellet tea, or your, or using a, a, a fertilizer, like an, any kind of fertilizer that's for vet, that's rated for vegetables, because you don't want to high nitrogen. You don't want to use twenty 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 on your vegetables right now, because it'll just cause them to bolt, and you don't want them to bolt. You know, you don't want your lettuce to cause and go boom, boom. You don't yep. bolt, and you can't really use it anymore. So just use a very low nitrogen, but it has a little bit of nitrogen in it, but it has phosphorus, potassium. Your 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 especially organic fertilizers are going to have things like calcium and and boron, magnesium, zinc, all those kind of you know other micronutrients, which will keep your plants healthier and better tasting as well. So um, so just make sure that you um, you keep up your nutrients. Uh, remember, even your trees and shrubs. Uh, we're still about the, just past the middle of July when I usually say I'll tell people, okay, last time fertilizing, but if you haven't fertilized for a long time, then give them their last fertilizing this weekend, and um, uh, especially your trees. Uh, if you have a maple or a birch, I would say don't even fertilize it anymore, uh, or or poplar, just don't fertilize it anymore because uh, it'll just force them to start growing again, and you don't want that because it won't get ready for winter time then. So, you know, um, uh, but all your other little shrubs and that kind of stuff and your garden, one more fertilizing now just to get them through and because um, of all the watering we've been doing, and that's important, and even your lawn. We've been putting water in the lawn a lot more too, so if you only just fertilized last spring, uh, there's not much nutrients left there anymore as well. So now's great. Now's the time you want to get your summer fertilizer on so your fertilizer looks, so your lawn looks really good because I'm getting a lot of, you know, getting a lot of calls about, diseases in the lawn like red thread brown spot all kinds of things in the lawn this year because of the heat and the humidity as well so you need to keep your lawn healthy uh, very important and uh Brittany, you had a little told me before the show you had a 
you had a disagreement with your husband about yes. the lawnmower. So now, yesterday, t- yesterday, Tyler was say was saying that he was going to go out and mow the lawn, and I said. Do we have to sharpen the blades on the lawnmower? Because we've never done that before. And I, I feel like that's something we should be doing regularly. Like we've been, uh, I think we laid sod about five years ago. So we've been using the same lawnmower for five years without sharpening the blades. And he told me, no, you don't need to sharpen it. It's just cutting grass. It doesn't need to be sharp. So. Who was right, Rick? Am I right? Well, well you know, your, your your favorite knife that you cut your vegetables up with and your meat with and everything else, Brittany, you never have to sharpen that either, right? <laughs> oh, never. <laughs> so, <Not> never. <laughs> no, never. Never, right? Yeah, you, your utility knife that you use for all your things around the house, you never have to snap it off and make a new piece of blade on that either, right? So it's just always sharp. <laughs> so, no, we need to sharpen our blades on our, on our lawnmowers, absolutely. And they're not that hard to do. You can do it yourself if you want, or if you don't know how to even have a clue how to do it, you can always bring it to basically any of the rental stores and that kind of stuff. They'll sharpen it for you. You can take the blade off or bring the whole mower to them. But it should be done at least once before the beginning of each season, for sure. And it all depends if you're the person that, that uh, you know, might have go into the back alley or something like that and likes mowing rocks as well, then you might have to sharpen it a little more often. And so and so you hear that all the time. You hear this, you know, mower go out, you know, clink, clink, you know, clink, clink. And then you know, yeah, you have to sharpen your lawn more, more often because if you don't get a clean cut on your grass, you get this ragged cuts on your grass, and then that's when your grass can get the diseases way easier. It's just like when you're making pruning on a tree, you want to make a clean cut because these rough cuts that you get uh, will just invite insects and diseases to have their homes in. And so uh, a clean cut is very important for your grass to be healthy and to keep growing properly. Definitely. Okay, I'm going to send him out there later today with a pair of dull scissors and a pair of sharp scissors. And he can decide if we need to sharpen the blades from now on. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call or send us a text. one 332 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, you can feel free to give us a call or send us a text, 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Tom on the line out in Choiceland. Hi, Tom. Hi there. What's your question? Yeah, I was wondering uh, about, like, I got uh, some fish fertilizer, Alaskan fish fertilizer, and I was just wondering, um, like, I'm pretty sure you can get Use that on everything, basically, right? Absolutely. It's good for your garden. It's good for your shrubs. It's good for, even for your house plants. So, absolutely, that's a great fertilizer. And I think even on your lawn, eh, if you got, like, an applicator thing to hook to your sprinkler? Yep. Yeah, no, it, it's it's an awesome fertilizer for, for, like I said, any kind of plants. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it, okay, so how often would you apply that, like, to your... Well, yeah, there again, you you're, you have a lower nitrogen on fish fertilizer, so you you might have to, especially on a lawn, you might have to you might use it as a supplement as on top of your other fertilizer, okay? Uh, but your but your vegetables and your house plants and that kind of stuff, you could you could probably do it about at least once every three weeks. You could put it on, and uh, the plants will just love it. Okay, about every three weeks, then. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like I said, it's not quite enough nitrogen to, to sustain a, to get a lawn. Or also, you also might when you use in a combination in the spring to get your shrubs and trees to get lots of growth. They'll need a little bit more nitrogen, but it is a great one to give it all its other nutrients, uh, and it has all the little bacteriums in it, and it'll just it'll just help the plants to grow all through the season. It's actually really good, really really good. Alrighty, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Have a yep. great day. Okay, Rick, I've got to ask, what is fish fertilizer? Fish fertilizer is just like it says. It's just it's made out of all fish byproduct, right? Whoa. And uh, it has lots of other, just like just like we say, when we have our omega-3s and all those kind of things we get from fish, I mean, it also helps the plants big time. So all that kind of uh, fish fertilizer, it's all byproducts of, of fishing, of, of the, you know, things, yep. fish that we get to eat. And uh and it, it actually works. It so actually like a, works really like well. a fish supplement for all of your plants yeah. then. Actually, yeah, there's lots of great nutrients there. Awesome. Okay, we've got Lana on the line now in Eagle Lake. Hi, Lana. Hi. What's your question? I have two questions. The first question is about Hascap. I have a Hascap bush. It's got to be nine feet high and nine feet in diameter. So it's kind of encroaching into other bushes. So what's the optimum time to prune this bush? I like pruning it in the, in the dormant. You can prune it during the year if you want to do some light pruning, okay, as it's growing, just to keep it shaped up. But otherwise, you want to do a major pruning on it, uh, you would do that one as dormant. So otherwise, in toward the end of October, or yep. otherwise, you do it in March or the first week of April. And, How many can I uh, take off if I want to do a maximum pruning? You can do this as about as much as you want. I don't like going right to the ground, but okay. you could tr- you could trim it in half. Absolutely, uh, you'll get lots lots of growth happening on that. So you got to remember, if you, depending on much, I, if you, if it's got totally out of control, yeah, just trim it back to the size that you want. Probably an optimum size is about you know uh, five by five. Yeah, is a good size for the has cap. So you could trim it right back to that size, easy. Okay. Because you can also you, you can you can at five by five you can net them really well because otherwise the robins and the the waxwing birds eat all your crop on you before you get it right. So actually, that's why. I actually have luck. You know these plastic owls and uh, hawks yep. and stuff. And I have one particular owl that it, it uh, it's up on a pole. It's probably up about ten feet high, and it just kind of hovers over the bushes. Yep. They, so I don't seem to have much of a problem with birds. There you go. Yeah, that keeps okay. up, that keeps them away. Perfect. It does. It does. Uh, my second question is about garlic. Um, yes. My garlic is still in the ground, but like all the leaves are have died. And I did pull one of them because I was kind of concerned whether there was going to be a bulb. And there is a nice bulb there, but it seems kind of early to be pulling them out of the ground. Yeah, it, it it's been early, but but I mean, obviously, right now, if there's no leaves anymore, those garlics aren't going to grow much anymore. Okay. So you can start harvesting them any time now. So if you want, uh, you can leave them in the ground. It'll keep them fresh in the ground, okay? That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, so, But otherwise, you can start harvesting them and, and just har- harvest them as you need them. Uh, okay. But, yeah, th- th- that's not a problem. Just uh, keep them fresh in the ground. But, yeah, they, you won't grow anymore without the leaves. My concern is not for them to grow. It was to keeping them because it seems kind of early, right? So they would be better to keep them in the ground than hanging them in the shed because I have a lot of garlic. 
Yeah, no, it's you can do either way. Uh, you can because they'd be ready to go. But I, uh, just like the potatoes, a lot of times I keep my my potatoes in the in the, in the ground, even though the leaves are all frozen and gone, as yeah. long as I can, right? So sometimes I'll even put a tarp over the ground to keep them in the ground longer. Even you know, same thing with my carrots. And so, so I, guess uh, I, just, I guess I just would want to make sure that they don't get a lot of moisture. Yeah, it's just no, a yeah, problem. No, no, that's not a problem this year. Just like your your lily bulbs, no different, right? Your lily bulbs, your hi, your hybrid lilies, they're all finished blooming. The leaves are all brown, but the bulbs are still in the ground. They're still fine, right? So okay. it's very very simple as all your even your tulip bulbs. Now, they've been long gone a long time ago, and they stay nice and fresh in the ground as well. So the garlic's no different. You, they're just the same. They'd be just great to leave them in the ground until you need them. Yeah, I think that's my my best option is to leave them in the ground until. Uh... I want to take them out, and they won't take so long to cure and replant, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks so much for the call, Lana. Okay, we have a text here from Jamie and Watson. I have a question about how to keep my annuals looking their best all season long. Mine are really long and overgrown and are laying down. They aren't looking their best, but they're still blooming. Should I cut them back? Can you describe how to do that and how long I should leave them? I did do a slow-release fertilizer on top of the soil, as well as fertilize with miracle Grow once a week. Oh, so she, you're fertilizing lots. Fertilizing so lots, yep. It's just a matter of the heat and, and the fertilizer is making them bolt. So absolutely, when we get a hanging basket that's starting to look a little rough, we just give it a little bit of a haircut. So you're just trimming the tips of the branches back a little bit so that, and then it'll start pushing new growth, especially if you're using that much fertilizer. Um, they'll push new growth and look way better. So just cut back your tips. You can cut them back up to half the amount if you want. And uh, they'll push out some new growth again. And uh, and with this kind of heat, and, and if you're long as you keep your moisture great, you know, on them, and you have that type of fertilizer on them, they'll 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 start pushing growth really quickly. So, uh, yeah, not a problem. Just trim them back. Perfect, Rick. When it comes to like the regular fertilizers that you use, be it Miracle Grow once a week or the alfalfa pellets. How long do you keep doing that? Like, can I just do that basically until my plants freeze at the very end of the season just to keep them growing and looking nice and full? Yeah, your annuals, you can you can keep fertilizing right to the end. In fact, you know, when we start getting into August and our nighttime temperatures start getting cooler, actually that's what brings out the vibrant colors of all your petunias and your marigolds and your zinnias and everything else. It just brings out the color, right? So they do, they do awesome. So your vegetables and that, there again, you don't want to put a high nitrogen on anymore with this kind of heat, just the lower nitrogen and all the, all the other micronutrients. That's what they need right now. And your trees, like I said, your trees, you're, sl- you're slowing down the fertilizing now and getting ready for wintertime, especially your, your evergreens, like your junipers, cedars and your spruces and pines. Uh, those are pretty much done for fertilizing for this year because, uh, they're, you'll watch they're going to start setting their terminal buds for next year. That means they're done growing for this year. So um, uh, you don't need to fertilize those anymore. Uh, but your shrubs, yeah, if you haven't fertilized them for quite a while, give them a shot of fertilizer. And uh, that'll just get them through this, this, this time when we're watering a little bit more. And they just run out of nutrients in the soil. So it's perfect. Perfect. All right. If you've got a question, you can give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. And you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.
Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyke. You can feel free to give us a call and ask anything garden, yard, houseplant related, anything that grows basically, we'll answer for you. The number is 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Ernie on the line out in Dorantosh. Hi, Ernie. Hello. What's your question? Uh, yesterday my garden was beautiful. My mid or late afternoon grasshoppers wiped out pretty well everything. All my peppers, oh. cucumbers, there's there anything that I can use to get rid of them. Well, what you can do is you can use um, basically you can use ambush. Ambush is is not is non toxic to humans, and then it. But it just a lot, lot of you have to look at the instructions because most vegetables is one day before harvest, and there's some that are that are seven days before harvest. You just have to read the instructions on which vegetables you can spray, and then because you're you're starting to harvest now, right? So you just have to watch your your instructions well, uh, and the grasshoppers are harvesting more than I am. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, but but it's. But one thing about ambush is that it has a bit of residual and it, it affects their nervous system, so it takes care of them right away. So you're not waiting for them to die or anything; it, it gets them right away. So ambush so would be the. Whoops, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Where what? Uh, where would I find that? Ambush is well, one thing. Nice about ambush, you can pretty well get it at any garden center, any uh, hardware store, any place like that. Will usually have ambush. Okay, it's okay. very readily available almost any any place that has garden supplies, and so you can pick it up almost anywhere around the province. Uh, that's probably probably the best one you can use. Uh, you can also use diatomaceous earth. You can sprinkle that around the outside edge of your garden. Uh, but the problem with grasshoppers is they fly, and so sometimes they jump right over top of the diatomaceous earth. And so that's why I just like to you like to spray the plants with uh, with something like uh, like the ambush. And you'll be able to keep them under control, but it is a contact, so you have to actually hit the the bugs. But it does have a li- little bit of residual as well. So it'll, if they get it on the on the if they go onto the leaves and eat on the leaves, it'll get them that way as well. Of until until you water, and then it, won't, it sort of it dilutes it down a bit too much, so it won't affect the uh, grasshoppers after that. So the uh, neighbor but, mentioned uh, garlic, kind of a garlic solution, spray on solution there. And it thought maybe that would help too. So. Yeah, that that would work. I know I've used garlic, um, like garlic concentrate. It's called Mosquito Barrier. This is what I used, and it's amazing. It kept away um, mosquitoes and other insects. It kept away even the deer and the rabbits and that kind of stuff as well. They just didn't like it. And uh, and so um, when you put it on, you put it through a hose end applicator, and you, you smell just about a little bit like a Greek restaurant for a bit, for a couple <laughs> hours, and after that, it dis, it dissipates, and then it, it's amazing. It just keeps everything at bay for for quite a few hours, so it, it really helps to make them decide to go somewhere else. Perfect. Just one more thing there. Yep, yep. Um, I listen to you all the time. I'm a first-time caller. You have so many great tips. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so Thanks much, Ernie. All right, we have Jim on the line out in Moose Jaw. Hi, Jim. Hello. What's your question? I got a bunch of crabgrass in my lawn. I was wondering how to get rid of it. You got crabgrass or quackgrass? Okay, I don't know. What's the difference? Well, there's there's a bit of a difference. Crabgrass is more of a lower, but quackgrass will grow up taller, okay? Okay, I so, got quackgrass. 
Yeah, you got quackgrass, the best, like, we don't see a, a lot of crabgrass here. You see a lot in Ontario and BC and places like that. So we okay. do have some crabgrass here, but most people here have quackgrass. And okay, so fine, the yeah. best way best way to get rid of that is you actually go out there in your grass and you actually take a, a sponge brush and you you and some Roundup and you actually paint it on the leaves of the quackgrass. Because what you do is when you cut your grass a little short, right, yeah. a little bit shorter, you notice how the quackgrass grows taller faster than the other grass, right? Yes. And so then what you do is you, you paint it, but then you walk backwards, okay? If you have okay. a lot of it, if you have a lot of it, then you just go down to Walmart or something like that and pick up one of those uh, those sponge brushes that you can wring out, you know, that has one yep. of those little little ringers on it that you can wring it out. And so you can stick it in a little pail roundup, wring it out so it's not just so it's not dripping, but it's still wet. And then you go and you swipe the taller quackgrass with it. And but without and walking backwards, otherwise, if you walk forwards, you're going to have in 14 days, you're going to have a bunch of footprints on your grass. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you'll get rounded up on your feet, and you have these. Oh, why did I have footprints across my grass for? So, because <laughs> you have dead, dead grass wherever you step. And okay. so, but walk, walk backwards, and it's you just swipe it, and uh, that's the that's the uh, that's the only way other than. Other than going out in there and, and spraying the whole grass and starting again, but you really don't need to do that. You can just swipe it, and uh, in seven days you'll start seeing it turn yellow. In fourteen days, it'll be totally dead to the roots. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks okay. for the call, Jim. All right, we have Donna out in Clearwater Lake. Hi, Donna. Hi. What's your question? My question is, my zucchini plants are beautiful. They've got a lot of flowers, but the zucchini will only grow about four inches, and then they get root rot and just die. Yeah, it sounds like only four inches, right? Yeah. It sounds like, the, it sounds like they're not being pollinated properly. Okay. So what you want to do with this heat, and that, that we're hearing that more and more right now, so what you need to do is you need to be the bee. Okay. okay. Take a Take a Q-tip around and go from plant to plant, flower to flower, crisscrossing multiple times. Okay. And then get those zucchini plants pollinated properly. Okay. And uh, and then you'll it'll do a lot better. And uh, I've heard that more and more. And okay. also make making sure that you're you've got your calcium up in your soil as well. Okay. And so um, it's very important. So even even putting the alfalfa pellet tea and stuff like that because you have all your other micronutrients, right? Mm-hmm. Which is but uh, you got lots of time for zucchini, uh, so you should be able to get some lots of zucchini yet. Uh, and but that that's number one is usually been is because they haven't been poll- pollinated properly. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks okay. so much, Donna. Okay, bye now. Hey, Rick, for adding calcium to plants like tomatoes or zucchini or whatever, what do you usually recommend that people use? Because on our tomatoes, we're getting like they'll they'll grow decently big they're nice and green and the very bottom just starts to turn brown and rot a little bit i've been really careful with my watering so i'm thinking yeah. we might need some calcium in the soil what should i be adding yeah there's there's lots of uh, uh cal- fertilizers out there even by the company called dirt and grow it's just, it's just a calcium supplement and it works really well uh there's other ones you can use like the alfalfa pellet tea it has lots of calcium in it, so there is a bunch of fertilizers that have that has good calcium in it. Um, some people like using eggshells, but you'd have to put a lot of eggshells on yeah. to make it work. So, using a calcium supplement or something that has a, a higher calcium content in it uh, is probably the best thing to use uh, to be able to keep that. And but you know, number one, 
uh, honestly, is that you just have to make sure that you're consistent on your watering because yeah. for blossom end rot on, on peppers, tomatoes, uh, zucchini, all that kind of stuff, um, it, number one is just inconsistent watering. And so just make sure you're sticking your finger into the soil. Uh, don't water on the schedule. It's very important just to monitor uh, when the plant needs moisture, not, not when you think it needs moisture. Yep, definitely. All right, so let's head back to the phones. We've got Jean in Regina. Hi, Jean. Hi there. Um, my question is aphids. Um, I have a lot of well, Virginia creeper. I think that's what it is. Sometimes I call it wild grape. But yeah. anyway, uh, I know there are green aphids, but these ones are these bugs that are on my um, Virginia creeper are they're kind of very tiny move very quickly and sometimes hard to even spot them when, unless you hit the leaves and they're kind of white with black stripes yeah you got a leaf hopper mm-hmm. it's called a leaf hopper oh really and, yeah and they they're, they'll they'll um, once they get into your either grapes or your or your virginia creeper or your england and ivy uh yeah, oh, yeah. They'll, they'll do they'll do a lot of damage now the best way to get those is you um, use things like am- like an ambush, and you put it into a hose-in sprayer because they hide a lot of times, and, and then they, but they move so quickly. When you come even close by, they start hopping, right? And so what you want to do is you go in the evening, okay, right about dusk when things are, when all the bugs settle out and, and not really active. And so right. take a hose-in sprayer because you have, to, you have to make the leaves flip and move, okay? If you're just taking oh, okay. a mister and hitting the top of the leaves, you're not going to get them because they're hiding right. on the back side of the leaves. So you yeah. need to use a hose-end sprayer or what's called a dial spray and you put your, your your ambush into into that, and you set the dial according to the instructions. And then you go on and in the evening, right about right about dark, about dark time, so you're, right now it'll be around 9 o'clock at night type of thing, and you just go out there and give your, your, your bushes a good spraying so that the leaves, with the pressure of the garden hose and the sprayer, your leaves are flipping, and you're getting insecticide on the backside of the leaves, and then... They'll they'll flip they'll, they'll flip off the leaves the bugs but then they'll go back and land on the leaves again and they'll get that pyrethrin they'll get that ambush on them and then they're done. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, they're uh, I've never had them before. It's the first year, and, yep. and I've had this um, growing for years in my yard and my trellis. Will they affect the clematis? Uh, not as bad. Oh, I have a traveler's joy clematis. Yep. Kind of grows up over a trellis bench. Yeah, they won't affect and, them as bad. They they mainly oh. go after Virginia creeper and and grapes. That's the right. big ones they like. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks You're so much, welcome. Jean. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Anne on the line in Humboldt. Hi, Anne. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about my corn. Why is my corn not forming ears? Um, could be from a lot of situations. One is that, um, number one is that if it's not forming ears, it could be from pollination. 
okay, because the heat in that is not getting good pollination. And so making sure that you have more than one row and multiple rows for even the wind will pollinate is a good pollinator for corn. I have uh, that. So, yeah, that's important. Um, moisture content and nutrient content is huge uh, for corn. With all this heat, you got they need they need the right amount of moisture. Uh, but also they're they're heavy feeders as well. So making sure they they have lots of nutrients, um, especially you know, organic. Like you can put lots of you know like uh, manure or compost and those kind of things in your corn area. So just making sure they have all those kind of nutrients is, is big time. Uh, and uh, but yeah, just uh, pollination is is probably the the biggest reason to, for if they're not forming is. Uh, is just uh, not getting the proper pollinization. Is there anything that can be done at this point in time? Uh, this late, if it hasn't started forming already, it's getting pretty late. It's gonna you're gonna have pretty small heads if they haven't started forming already, right? So um, uh, you're already talking about. I think I think a lot of the some of the corns are starting to show up in some of the market gardens now. So um, so yeah, if they haven't formed at all yet, it's gonna be it's going to be touch and go with you. You're going to get it this year. Uh, okay. It's just what, one of those years that, you know, there's not much you can do if they didn't have good pollinization. And uh, so it's just a matter of um, uh, just the type of, type of year it is. Just, but for right now, all you do is to make sure you've got, you've got adequate moisture, you know, not too wet, but just a nice moisture. And if you want to try yet to get something out of it, um, uh, is your leaves all a nice color and everything else? They're nice and green. Yeah, or they're they... nice and green. Very, very nice yeah. foliage. Yeah, foliage is nice and green. You should have lots of the right type of nutrients there. So it would just have to be the pollinization. You just didn't get great, no great pollinization for some reason in your garden. So what I suggest also is just make sure that in your garden, even just planting some flowers uh, in your garden, in amongst your garden a little bit, so it just attracts the bees more. To your garden when you have uh-huh. you know some flowers even marigolds and marigolds helps keep other bugs away or you know the odd odd zinnia or something that will attract the the um the the, the bees more to your garden and that it's huge just because uh, the flowers will attract them even quicker and then they'll go into all the vegetables as well okay thank you very okay. much thanks yeah. so much Anne. good luck all right we have diane on the line out in warman hi diane Hi, good morning. Good morning. What's your question? I would like to ask Rick if it would be okay to cut off two uh, black knots off my Schubert chokecherry tree right now. I Googled it and it said early spring like March or late fall like October. But I'm just wondering if my husband can cut them off now. Yeah, it's when you're doing a big, big branch, it's best to do when the plant's dormant. But right now, it actually is not going to hurt it. They've, their leaves are huge and everything else. So I, I like, I honestly like, unless I'm the only month I'll stay away from is May, right in the end of April. Uh, okay. But other than, other than that, if I see black knot, I'll take it out as soon as I see it, and it's okay. really not going to hurt the plant. Just stay away from May uh, from pruning it. Otherwise, take it out. Okay, sounds very good. Thanks, Rick. Thanks so much, Diane. Have a great day. All right, so we've got a text on the text line here, also about corn uh, and the wind, the wicked wind that we had earlier this week. Uh, So this person says, the wind completely flattened my corn. What do I do? Should I attempt to straighten them? If so, how can I keep them upright? Yeah, just using little bamboo stakes. 
just oh like you do with your gladiola bulbs and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And so just bamboo stakes, and you can actually tie them up if they've knocked them over, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, with gardens, you can't obviously do it if you have acres of it, but I mean, if you have your garden and you got a few rows of it, yeah, just put some bamboo stakes up and uh, and then use some ties on them and just tie them up and uh, and then that will help them to be able to to finish off, you know, forming their cobs. Okay, perfect. And we've also got this quick text from Larry in Saskatoon. I have some hot peppers growing in my garden. They're coming along maybe about seven inches tall now. Should I be worried about supporting these with, say, a tomato cage or some sort of some sort, or will they stand up on their own? They should stand up on their own. A lot of people will use things like tomato cages or things to stand them up so that, so that in case they don't get heavy and they hang down and then the fruit actually touches the ground. Yeah. And then, of course, then you get little blemishes or rot on your tomatoes from touching the ground or, or peppers. So, so a lot of people will use a plant support of some sort just to help keep them up because some of those peppers get pretty heavy for those little plants. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, so... And even the hot peppers, I mean, if you get so many of them, it, it weighs them down. So using a plant support for any plant uh, is great just to help them to be able to to, uh, to stay upright and to be able to, for the fruit to ripen properly. Perfect. All right. If you've got a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.